Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. Once again, thanks to everybody for tuning in Saturday night for a little BCJ after dark. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I'm sure at some point in time we'll do it again. Um, I know everybody wants to, to do it every week. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Had a great time. And uh, we'll, we'll see about this week. If there's a game this week, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> but the big news of the evening recording here on Tuesday night, obviously because the CFP playoff rankings just came out. The Bearcats check in at number seven, same spot that they are in in both of the polls. Uh, the highest a group of five team has ever been ranked in the CFP formula. They are behind Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A&M, and Florida. The good news is they're saying there's a chance, which is uh, really at this point in time, as Dave has talked about uh, from the start, put the chips on the table, see what the hands are. And now we know they got a shot, Dave. Yeah, they got a shot. I, I mean, I was, I was expecting eight. I thought Northwestern was going to be seven and UC would be eight. I didn't think they would fall any lower than eight. All day, uh, I kind of went back and forth on, are they going to evaluate them for who they are? Or right. are they going to fall back into the cartel talking points that they've always fallen back into and looking at not just UC at seven, but kind of throughout the whole rankings, I think there are some, some issues here and there, but there's always going to be. But the thing that I, that I felt in looking at this is that it seems that they're actually watching the games yes, and that, they are giving weight to teams like UC who have played eight games. Like where Oregon and the USC start, they have no shot of jumping UC if, if UC wins all their games. And that was a concern, I think, coming into yeah, this. Like, like if, if, you, like if, if Oregon's was nine. Eight, if, if UC was eight or nine and Oregon was <laughs> nine or ten, they just keep winning and win the Pac-12, they're going to jump them. But I think Oregon's what thirteen, something like that, yeah. Fifteen and USC's eighteen, um, and I think you know I made I've made several points throughout the week, kind of illustrating that there's a lot of metrics out there that say UC is better than Texas A&M and Florida. There's there's metrics out there that say that they're not. I think you could realistically put all three kind of in the same five, six, seven group. Right. And there's not much uh, – you can always have debate, but I don't think there'd be any true outlier of, you know, this absolutely shouldn't happen. But let's be real. They were not putting UC in front of one and certainly not two SEC teams, knowing that if they did that and, only, and one goofy thing happened, they now have, uh, you know, a B&E on their hands, a breaking and entering, so to speak – into their their little gated community so there's work to be done but we always knew that there was work to be done so in my opinion this is as good a situation as they could be in if you if you're 
you know, goal is to make the playoff. Do you think that's the goal? Now it is. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a point. That was the thing, right? Like, none of it mattered until we got to tonight. Right. None of it mattered until we saw if they would actually give UC a chance. They have a chance. And we've seen that they, they have opened the door. It's no bigger or smaller than it was yesterday, but it is a legitimate chance. Yeah. Thing, things have to happen, and maybe some not expected things have to happen. But if, if they're ever going to happen, this is the year for it to happen. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the number of games are all screwed up. The, the, you know, There's really no out-of-conference games to go on for most of these teams. It, it, everything has broken right. I mean, and, and this goes back to like the 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 pre the season preview show. This has a chance to be an all time great UC team. Everything yeah, I mean, has I, to break I, right. I broke it down how many months ago that it could happen. Yeah, and here we are, November twenty fourth. I'm, I'm quite clairvoyant, apparently. Except for that time you predicted them to go undefeated and they and went they four went, and eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they go like six and six or something. Yeah, just it, it, <laughs> it I was be a couple, be a couple wins. Um, but, it, I, I, I'm just I'm still in my brain dissecting it all. Do you think any of this is a nod to Luke Fickle? Hundred percent. I mean, the the man is immensely respected across college football. Like there's and the the other thing is is and this has been brought up by several different people, so I'm not going to um, say you know this is not an original thought, but and I'm not calling these other G5 teams in the past gimmicks, but there is nothing right one off gimmicky about this team, nothing right. They're they're not trying to beat you sixty to fifty five. They're not, you know, scheduling a bunch of, I mean, in this case, with non, no non-conferences or, you know, whatever, truncated non-conferences. But, like, and I'm not saying UCF was like this or Memphis was like this, but those teams were not complete football teams that you would legitimately, not, I'm not even saying against the top four, like, when UCF was eight, you were not legitimately putting them up against whoever was number five that year and going there. They, they are a better team or they are a equal team. Right. And I, and I think, I think you can do that with Texas A&M and Florida and put UC up next to them. And, and I'm, I'm not picking, I'm not saying I'm picking them to win, but you're, you're telling me that a team that lost by 28 points to Bama and has not beaten another has beaten one team with a winning record and that's Florida that they would just run up and down the field against UC. Here's, I mean, here's the thing. It's not the word gimmicky gets used. I don't think it's the right word. I think it was those teams doing the one thing that they knew would Could, give them a chance. Sure. I mean, you have to take advantage of your situation. And that's not even to necessarily make the playoff. That's to win your league. Right. But it, it but just team, so happened that they kept moving up in the rankings. But, like, there was always a ceiling. Right. There's not 
I mean, there's always a ceiling for this UC team, but it's not necessarily because of them. It's because if the teams in front of them do what they need to do, then then this is just this just is what it is. Right. I think like if we're being honest with each other, I think the top four teams are the top four teams. One hundred percent. I think there's I think a, there's, I think there's a big, and Ohio State's defense gives me some concern, but yeah. I think there's quite a gap between four one through four and five through. We'll just say ten. Five through eight and ten. Like <laughs> North, North, Northwestern will get their absolute doors blown off by Ohio State. Now I think that's interesting. I, like I don't want to turn this into like you know breaking down other games. Right. I think that's interesting though because I think Northwestern could at least keep Ohio State's offense in check. Not not in check, but enough to where. I, Northwestern probably doesn't really have enough to punish Ohio State's defense. I mean, Ohio State's defense is not great, but it's not like Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern doesn't have what he has offensively. Two first or second round wide receivers and a quarterback that might go pro early. Yeah. They don't have that. Right. That's how Indiana did. I mean, they were down 35 to seven. People forget that. Yeah. It was 28 to seven finish. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, they, we don't need to break other. But I mean, just from a UC standpoint, here's the thing: take the top four aside, and and I would argue there's some of these positions that like you're telling me Ohio State wouldn't want fucking sorry Dan that that one slipped uh, wouldn't want James Wiggins and Derek Forrest at the back end of that defense. Um, Their safety's got trashed. Chad, their, their, their supposed first-round draft pick corner has been terrible this year. They would 100% take three of the four, at least three of the four, and maybe all four of UC's starting defensive backs right now. Yeah. So that's what's different. Like, every team from five down would take Elijah Ponder and MyJ Sanders and Jarrell White and everybody in the secondary and increasingly looking like Darian Beavers, who all of a sudden is playing like one of the two or three best players on this defense. And that has never been the case, especially defensively. You know, you saw UCF when they had their run, they had a couple guys on, on defense that were NFL guys that were really good, but they didn't have top to bottom. Well, they, the, the, the philosophy was we're going to score a ton. If we can yeah. just, get a couple stops, that'll be the difference in the game. We don't need to, to do anything crazy, but we just need you to maybe throw an interception, you know, have a have a holding penalty that kills a drive, and then, then we'll end up beating you. This Cincinnati team has one of the best punters in the nation. Incredible size and speed and strength across the defense. And increasingly, one of the better offenses in college football. And there's never been a G5 team. It's, you know, since we started this, there's never been a G5 team that looks like this. And I'm impressed that the committee uh, has a recognition of that. Because, you know, that's what that that's why they held down UCF is because they looked at it and said, okay, that's great. But what happens when you play a team that not only has the speed, but also has the size 
and your team can't match up with that because you have the speed, but all your guys are, you know, midgets compared to that. Oh, that was not, all your guys are incredibly <laughs> sorry about that. That was not meant as derogatory, but all your guys are tiny compared to the size of the guys that play for the top four programs. Right. And that was, that was seen as UCF ceiling, right? I yes. dropped an F bomb and I dropped an M bomb and, and like <laughs> eight minutes of this podcast. I'm a mess right now. I got to get it out before I do radio tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, you, when, if you legitimately watch them play and just watch, just watch them play, you, it, I don't think you can realistically, with no bias, look at it and go, oh, yeah, they're just doing this because they're beating up on crappy AAC teams. Right. I think, I mean, I think that's, that nails it. Um, any, any other takeaways from this? Any other, like, anything else standing out to you? Um, anything else catch your eye? I guess we'll talk about the BYU thing now. What's there to talk about? Yeah, I don't think you scheduled. Like, I don't think you do it now. New phone, who dis? Yeah. Like, what's the and, point? Yeah. I mean, and, I see and, I see some people saying that they should still do it because the teams in front of them, like especially Texas A&M, their position is tenuous and you could maybe jump them. But are you are you jumping them? To five, or are you jumping them to four? If you're only jumping them to five, then what's the point? Right. Here's, here's, here's the thing for me with BYU. What we have learned is they don't respect BYU, right? Well, that Currently. seems to be – well, I don't know. They asked, they they, they asked yeah. them why you didn't – why they were so low, and the guy says, oh, we, we like BYU a lot. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Doesn't appear that way. If Cincinnati plays BYU and, and beats BYU, BYU drops like a rock, right? I mean, what kind of, like how realistically, if, you're, if they're at 14, what sort of bounce are you expecting to get if you beat them? Right. Not much different than playing Tulsa at 25. I don't I think. mean, they're behind two six and two Big 12 teams. So... I mean, now, if you played them and lost to them and still won your conference championship, you're not in jeopardy of losing the G5 bid because there's no way right. Coastal, Coastal Carolina and Marshall are 20 coming and from 20 and 21. And BYU doesn't – I mean, they have to finish in the top 12 just to be able to be selected – for, for, one of, for one of the New Year's Six games. Yeah, I'm sure they're calling. UC's phone's ringing off the hook right now from BYU. So it's even more – is even more of a power play position where surely there – any conversation is, on, is 100% on UC's terms. Yeah, well, we knew that already. I, I talked to a couple people last night that, that said there is no chance – that that game would be played anywhere right. other than Cincinnati. 
Right. No chance. And I, and I, and I figured that. But right, but it's, you have to hear it. You have to talk. If to UC and, was eight and BYU was nine, now you, yeah, maybe your 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 terms are maybe a little bit different. Well, and if UC's eight and BYU's nine, the message is that the committee has a great deal of respect for BYU, so beating them holds a considerable right. amount of weight. Right, you're seven spots ahead of them right now. Yeah, there is no reason to to. To play them. I, I don't think so either. My stance before was if the kids want to play the game, let them play the game. Uh, and that was because I did think BYU would at least be somewhere around 10, maybe 11. I knew their schedule was going to get, you know, be a hit for them. But I didn't think it was going to be dropped down to 14 uh, to the point where Oklahoma and Iowa State are ahead of them. I, I right. did not. I did not see that. Um. Yeah, I I think – I mean, I know how Fickle is. I know if the kids want to play, he'll probably do what he can to find a way to to make the game happen at Nippert Stadium Um, if, you know, everything is perfect and lines up. But I I just – the the whole thing we said was let's wait until Tuesday, see what happens on Tuesday, and we'll go from there. And it's Tuesday, and – I just where where would BYU fall if they come to Nippert Stadium and lose? Right. Would they drop out? Yeah. Would they fall to 23, 22? Like I I don't know. Uh do you think they threw Cincinnati a bone putting Tulsa at 25? Cuz I I, mean, that's why I thought I, that's why I thought Northwestern would be at 8. I thought that would be throwing Ohio State a bone. And giving Ohio State a chance to—I don't—I don't know how you—I <laughs> don't know how you rank those last five teams. Like, I mean, it, like sure, I—I don't—I just don't know, like how you what your criteria is when you're getting to that point. I—I I have always found ranking it down to twenty-five a little unnecessary. Um, Where would you stop? Twelve. Uh. No, I'd probably stop at like 15 or 16. Just because you could play your way into like a New Year's Six game from yeah, from that range. Um but I just don't, I don't know how you just differentiate between Iowa at 3 and 2, Tulsa at 5 and 1, Oklahoma State at whatever 6 and 2, Marshall at 7 and 0, oh. like if you put any of those five teams in any different order? Does anybody notice? No. No, not really. Um, the uh, something I wanted to ask you about because you're you're up on this stuff. How much do you think strength of record was a huge boost to where UC was placed at seven? Strength of record and game control. Because why? Tell tell the people why. Because that is an, has nothing to do with your resume. And that is, that is saying that this is, this is how good these, this team is based on how much they're beating teams that they're playing and how much they've controlled those games. Right. Um, like, you know, Bill Conley that does SP Plus at ESPN, I don't know if I'll be able to get to it quick enough, but he always has, like, the 
points above expected by average top five team. So it's basically saying if your average top five team played UC's schedule, how would they do compared to what UC is doing against it? And UC is number three in the country with like a point, I forget what it was this week, point eight, one point something above what that average top five team would be doing against UC schedule. So they're basically saying if Florida was playing, if Texas A&M was playing UC schedule, UC is doing better right now than what Texas A&M would be figured to do. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so here's the other thing that I'm curious about. Let's say enough chaos. Well, let's say Alabama blows out Florida in the SEC title game. Yes. And, and one other necessary domino happens to open the four spot, whether that's Notre Dame loses to North Carolina and then loses to Clemson or Notre Dame beats Clemson again in the ACC championship game. Uh, I don't see any way at this point that Alabama is falling out of that top four. No. So we'll take that. We'll take that off the table. Um, yeah, we absolutely. Alabama has to win. Yeah. Because if they lost, they would still both. Then it would be Florida and Alabama in. Right. So let's say, let's say hypothetically, the four spot is open in the last uh, December nineteenth. We're, we're we're getting down to it. The four spot is open. Texas A&M is five. UC is six for that fourth spot. Do you think the committee really puts Texas A&M back in there? To play Alabama to, again? To after play Alabama by... again? Yeah. I think that's – I think it has to be asked. I think that has to be interesting asked. Interesting – I mean – If that was close, of course they put them back in there for the rematch. Uh, here, it was not here's, close. Here's my it was a bloodbath. Here's my 100% impartial non-UC fan take is that if they felt that they were the fourth best team, it shouldn't matter that they already played the number one team. You shouldn't put a team that you feel is not as good in yeah, but- just because the, they happen to play each other and destroy them the first time. Like that's not the goal of this. But, but uh, I'll uh, let me, let me, let me give you a counterpoint. You are essentially, especially this year, you are essentially scheduling a TV show. How many people are tuning in to watch Texas A&M get their brains kicked in by Alabama again? Mm, they got a lot of fans. I don't know. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like, it's the, it's the Oklahoma argument. Like, people are like, yeah, but- I, don't, I don't care what Oklahoma does. I know the I know the the ending of the story. I don't want to see them in the playoff yeah. anymore. I've seen this movie the, before. Like they've been in it, it almost every year, and they've yet to win a game. Like right, like even like people are like, even if they're the most deserving team, we just don't want to see it anymore. But am I right? You're scheduling a TV show. Oh, I I'm that- totally in agreement with you. I'm just saying, like, if I'm the committee, I'm. And this always goes back to for best versus most deserving. Is it which one is it? I mean, you, you're 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 putting Alabama in this hypothetical. You're putting Alabama at one, and the task is to put a team against Alabama. Sure. If that 
it, it, I, I just don't know how in good conscience you allow that team to be A and M. We've we've seen that movie. It was an I'm awful not, movie. I'm not Everybody walked I'm, out. I don't disagree. That's all. That's all. I mean, that's that's my point on that. Like, I I don't know. Like, I'm sure they will because it's the SEC, and you know, it is what it is. But I I just. I, I don't know how you put them in over Cincinnati to see them get their teeth kicked in by Alabama. There was nothing about that that game that indicated they could compete with Alabama. No, oh no, no, and and that oh, that kind of goes back to the whole like, you know, oh if you put UC in the Final Four, they're just going to get killed. Well, yes, yeah, so exactly, so would Texas A and M. Yeah, this isn't a. This isn't a who would give the number one seed or whatever the best game, isn't it? We n- no, because we've seen that all the all the time. Is the teams just get blown out? Very rarely have we had good semifinals. Well, that's just games. because there's a huge gap between whoever's number one that year and whoever's number four. Right. I mean, this is. I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, this has become Clemson and. Ohio State and Bama and Ohio State to a lesser extent. It's Bama and Clemson and then Ohio State and then Oklahoma and Notre Dame and a couple others. And we're just recycling all of that. I think putting UC at seven gives their, their a chance that they're considering maybe we do something a little different if, if we have to. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if Texas a if, if it comes down to it and Texas A&M struggles but beats, you know, uh, Auburn and UC is impressive um, the rest of the way out, you know, you're then you're getting even more into that, uh, that area of what might happen. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot more on this. Do you? No. I mean, I think it's, I'm not going to say, I won't say fair, um, but it's just, it was realistic. Like, I think it was as, as good as you could realistically expect knowing all of the things that, work against UC that are out of their control. Right. Yeah. What would that be in your mind? What would be out of what, what, what could change things out of their control? Well, no, just, I'm saying like the perceived, the, whether it's right or wrong, just the perceived slight that the AAC gets, like they were never going to be ahead of Texas A&M or Florida. No, we knew that. They could have beat UCF 50 to nothing Saturday and they wouldn't have been ahead of them. No. And that's but that's what I'm saying like that's out of their control. They're doing every they're as high as they could be based on what they've put on the field this year to this point. And that's pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean they're they're legitimately in the conversation to make the playoff. Which when we started this thing, when we did the preview show, you couldn't have asked for any better than that. 
No. If I had told you, what if I what what would your reaction have been if I told you at the time we didn't know when the hell the first ranking show was going to be, but the first ranking show is going to be November twenty fourth and UC is going to be seventh. I'd say let's go. There's a shot. Yep. You'd say we're undefeated, playing well. You have to be if, if you're seventh. Right. Of course. We're undefeated. We're playing well. And let's roll the dice. Yeah. So that's where we're at. I mean, we just let's go chaos. It's <laughs> our new that's our new favorite team. Chaos <laughs> Chaos U. So if you're a UC fan, you're rooting for Auburn against AM. North Carolina this week against Notre North Dame. North Carolina Friday against Notre Dame. Um, you're rooting for my Vols to take down Florida the last game of the last regular season game of the year. I'm sure that'll happen. <laughs> I think there's a better chance that you and I get put on the selection committee. <laughs> I think there's a better chance of that. Um, do we need to to hit on UCF any? I mean, we had the after dark. I don't think so. I mean, is there anything that jumped out after after looking back at things that maybe you didn't think the first time or anything that comes out of the numbers um, as you start crunching the numbers early in the week like you always do? Anything surprise you? Anything, you know, um, better I mean, I or just, worse than expected? Probably just the holding them to six plays of 15 or more yards. Because yeah, that's really hard to do. With two, that. I believe, two or three of those, two at least, maybe not three, happened on their first <laughs> first two drives. And then the, probably almost all the rest were on that drive to open the second half, where they right. went right down the field. So, and other than that, I mean, that, that for, was the thing to me. The, the you know they have the opening drive which was scripted and I'm never surprised when they hit on those scripted plays especially well, for a team that good. Did you notice? Is exactly what we talked about with what they did last year. The 41 yard pass play, they ran Sauce, and then ran him again, again with a different yeah. receiver. Yeah. Back to back plays. I mean, that's, and that wasn't any like uh, any great recognition by us as much as it was just knowing what UC's game plan was last year for that specific reason, because that's what they do. They try to keep your guys on the field and then run different guys on, on go routes. I, I would love to go back and look and see what kind of route that the kid that caught the touchdown ran the snap before. Because I would bet it was within like five yards of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Right? You have him he might completely not have even, fresh. He might not have even been in. Uh, he was in because they ran that, – that play happened pretty fast. Oh, so they he probably would have had to yeah. – Right, he would have had to have been in, sure. If they sub somebody, they would have given UC at least time to catch their breath and, and yeah. get a sub on the field. So my guess would be like he ran like a, a four-yard stop route. <laughs> mm-hmm. or you know across from the other side just so he could get there faster uh for when the next the next snap took place but yeah um yeah i mean that the thing that they went you know they had the first drive and then the muff punt and they score again and then what the next four drives were three and out 
or at least three out of the next four drives or three and out. Yeah. And at that point it was like, all right, the defense, the defense is, it, it has got their legs. So as long as Des and company can take advantage, like this thing's going to be okay. And right. I, I mean, I, I asked Luke today about the Justin Harris play. Like I'm th- that saved the season, man. Down 21, three in the bounce house. Oh, five minutes to go in the first quarter. You're not you're coming back from that. You're toast. And that was Justin's birthday. Well, a, I, I know I pointed that out. It's a hell of a birthday present to give yourself. So, I mean, yeah. I, I don't have a ton really to say any more about UCF. I think we've, we've covered it completely. The problem is we've got a half hour to fill in. And I, I don't have anything to really say about Temple. I mean, uh, real. I just they're real bad. I mean, some of it's they're doing, some of it's just they've been just destroyed by COVID and injuries. Russo's supposed to be back, apparently. Well, I mean, he came out of quarantine today. Yeah. He went into quarantine with a bum shoulder. He hasn't really thrown a football in two weeks. So I mean, who knows if what that means. Um, coming, if he plays, he'll be doing it without their top three receivers and two starting offensive linemen. I mean, but he's against this defense, but he might have to play because their only other court actual quarterback is a walk-on. Right. So I mean, they're, they're statistically metrically the worst team in the conference. They're not good. I mean, there's nothing about that Temple team that's good. Some of it of no fault of their own. I mean, unless, you know, how you consider uh, COVID ransacking your team. But also, I can't imagine being the coach of a bad team and trying to keep your team completely disciplined. That's got to be damn near impossible, doesn't it? what's what's been the issue by weeks yeah so when you got a bad team and you got dudes on a bad team who aren't playing you would like to think that everybody is as bought in as you know you think in your mind but you know that's not true so i mean they had the game almost didn't happen last week because one of the players girlfriends tested positive and he had symptoms in warm-ups, so they had to like test him real quick, and then oh, he's positive, and then like pull all the guys that he's been around, like as the game is about to start. Not great. And then did they suspend him indefinitely, or did they kick him off the team? I heard they kicked him off the team. That was the that was the quarterback. Oh, okay. This, I think, was like a linebacker that had the girlfriend issue. Oh, okay. I thought that was a quarterback, too. I guess I was wrong on that. It's also confusing at their place, like dealing with them. I don't know what yeah. the hell is, is going on with, with Temple right now. Right. It's... Um. Did you watch the press conference today? I did. Did you see me remind Fickle about Temple celebrating in front of their bench two years ago? I did. <laughs> did you see did the you light see? bulb go off like, in his yeah. eyes? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Two years ago, they celebrated in front of our bench when they beat us. That was maybe my favorite moment of the uh, of the season for uh, 
Tuesday press conferences. Cause you could tell he genuinely just hadn't thought about it until I said it. And then he was like, Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. I do remember that. I bet a bunch of those guys remember how that felt <laughs> because the right. only reason I really remember it, uh, I won't give the player's name, but after that game, we were down for the Tuesday press conference and we had got done talking to Luke and the way that used to work is we would hang around and, and request, you know, a player or two to interview uh, that day. And because, you know, we're around so much and I'm around so much, you, you end up just chatting with a bunch of guys uh, as they walk through between the training room and the locker room. And a certain player was standing there talking to me and he was, he was very upset about it. And he said uh, something along the lines of, did you see what they did to us on the bench after the game? And I said, yeah. He said, I did not like that. And I said, you know, I, I thought it was a little unnecessary. And he said, we go back in two years, right? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, I would break them. <laughs> Jeez, I wonder if you're giving away who the player was. Maybe, way maybe to, a little. Way to cover for the guy. <laughs> I would break them. Uh, but that, like, there was a lot of dudes that were real ticked off about the way that that played out at the end of that game. So I thought it was funny that to, just to see the light go off in Luke's head uh, when he when he recalled Temple uh, very boisterously celebrating the entire team right in front of Cincinnati's bench. Yeah. Not that Luke is uh, the Michael Jordan type to uh, use any and every little tiny piece of motivation to get his team up for an opponent. No, not at all. I know a lot of people are worried that they've never played well at Temple. Are you worried about that? No. Not this time? No. No. How bad is Temple's defense? How shocked are you that they have fallen off a cliff defensively? Uh, I think eventually... I think at a program like that in a state where you're even more Metro than you see and you have such like a similar power, like an Ohio state, they have a Penn state and they have all these other schools that come into that general area, New Jersey, Delaware, Philly. I just don't know how you sustain it with the amount yeah. of coaching turn. I mean, they've, They've had way more coaching turnover than UC has. Yeah. I just don't know how you can continually find the diamonds in the rough, develop them, you know, and keep having like quality fourth and fifth year guys to where it, it doesn't eventually break down. Does the game happen? I think so. I mean, they found a way to get all their other games in. It's senior day. I mean, unless they're just gonna like legitimately be like, nah, we're we're good. I don't I just don't know. I mean, if they're getting guys back, like if if Russo's coming back, I'm sure he's not the only one. 
True. I mean, a lot of just the, depends on how many are going in. A lot of the things, though, that I mean, I listened to their coach yesterday. A lot of the stuff isn't COVID related. Like these guys have just gotten hurt. Yeah. Like they're one of their better receivers had is having thumb surgery because he hurt his thumb blocking against ECU. Like a lot of these guys are are out because of injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just don't I don't have much to say about Temple. I don't know what else, like, I don't know what other angles there are. They're, they're not good. And if, you know, if UC is really the number seven team in the country, you go in there and you, you have your starters out at halftime. Then you tell them just not to come out of the locker room. Right. Just in case, just in case. <laughs> Things are bad in Philadelphia right now. You guys all stay here. We'll let you know when we're getting on the plane. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess we can we can hit on some other things. Um, CFP ranking aside, what is what is your take on what all this exposure is doing for the program? It's kind of why I tweeted what I did earlier in the day. I know that's that, this is kind of why I'm asking. Like, go read any article. I just retweeted one from twenty four seven. Very first thing: Cincinnati has a real shot to make the playoff. Like, no matter what, they were going to be the num- the number one talking point. It became BYU at 14, I think. But, like, they are the story right now. They are the, they are the story because they're the highest rated group of five team ever in, in the first week of, the, of this year's rankings. And they're the story because... Crazy stuff needs to happen, but it's not like a, well, this team needs to lose twice, and then this team needs to have six games canceled because of COVID, and then, you know, this team needs to not make their flight. Like, it's all stuff that could theoretically happen. Right. So, it's it's there. So, it's going to be talked about. And because it's never happened before, it's going to only get talked about more if they keep winning and say North Carolina beats Notre Dame. Like it's only going to get talked about more if, if they somehow keep getting closer and closer to the four spot. Yeah. Um, I guess the next question would then be, how does this change Luke Fickle's future in Cincinnati? Because I think that's that's a twofold question. One, now we know every pr- premier job in the country is going to come after him. How many of those will he take? I don't know. How many of Two, them though, are open? But I mean, for the foreseeable future. I'm not talking about this offseason. Right. I'm talking about for the foreseeable future, if there's a premier job in the country that comes open, Luke Fickle is at or near the top of their list. Two. This is the important one. How much does this, does this show Luke Fickle? It can be done here. And he doesn't have to go anywhere. Right. Like, that's that's the difference, right? Because it was said by everybody. You can't get Cincinnati 
you can't get in the playoff discussion from Cincinnati. Can't do it. Not going to happen. Don't bother. Au contraire, right? Moon frere. It, it can happen. And it has happened. Now. Do you think that changes? Hiccups. Where the hell did the hiccups come from? <laughs> do you think that changes the story of Luke Fickle in Cincinnati? Um, I do. Because I honest, outside of getting to another conference, which is out of his control, I think the most important thing to him is if I build it the way that I think I can build it, that we have a legitimate chance. Not that like it's just going to be given to us, but just don't tell us we got no shot because we're at UC in the AAC. Right. And this is proof positive that while it's still not likely, it is they have a legitimate shot. He's built it the way he wanted. He has the team that he wanted. And they are in a position to, if they do what they're supposed to do and get a little help, they could be in the playoff. And I think that. And then if, for whatever reason, they do make the playoff, how does another conference not take them in a couple of years? I, I don't. I... But I'm saying then that alleviates the other part of the issue. Right. No, I feel you. I, you know me. I, I stay away. Oh, I'm, not, I just... I'm not turning it into that, but I'm just saying like those are the issues. Is Because of the conference you're in, it's perceived that you don't have a realistic chance to compete for a championship. When in reality, half the teams in the Power Five don't have a realistic shot to compete for a national championship. Right. But they can, at least, they can at least say, oh, if we have the greatest year in the history of Minnesota football, we can be in the Final Four. I mean, it kind of is the greatest year in the history of Cincinnati football. Yeah, right? they got, yeah, they have to finish it out. Right, where they're at right now. Yeah. I mean, also... Is there anyone that looks better standing in front of a team than Luke Fickle? <laughs> because that is every shot of him, like, nationally, is it not? It's him standing oh, in yeah. front of his team before a game. I've taken probably 500 of those shots just because it looks – he just looks like he is built to stand in front of a bunch of dudes with helmets and shoulder pads. <laughs> I was just thinking that as I was putting that story you were talking about on the front page that has him, I think, from 2000. 17 right uh because he looks a lot younger in that picture than than he does standing in front of his team now um <laughs> anybody who, who's your who's your number one on standing in front of a team <laughs> um Luke. i bet i bet vrabel looks good standing in front of a team vrabel um yeah Trying to think who else. I don't know. Mario Mario Cristobal at Oregon. He's a he's a former offensive lineman. Yeah. He's I thought he was bigger though. 
when I've seen pictures of him. He's pretty big. He lost some of that offensive lineman. Oh, sure. Wait. <laughs> He's no Ron Crook. Uh, I don't know. What what else what else you wanna what else you wanna chat about? Um we've talked about BYU, we've talked about the playoffs, we've briefly talked about Temple. Um I mean, I guess know, I'll, can... I'll ask you this because I'm having okay. a discussion with Ralph Russo of the AP. Okay. Um, and he brought up, he said, 14 is better than anything UC has left on its schedule in, re- in reference to BYU because I said BYU at 14 would make it seem the committee doesn't think they're that good. What does a UC win really get them? Where does BYU fall if they lose? And his response was, 14 is better than anything UC has left on its schedule, but your point is fair. The question is, can the Bearcats just rely on attrition ahead of them to get in? I think, have to. I think taking on BYU is a way <clears throat> to take aim at Texas A&M and make sure the Aggies don't get in ahead of them. I mean, I get that, that side of it. Here's, my, here's what I don't think. I don't think BYU at 24 is going to be what jumps Cincinnati over Texas A&M because if Cincinnati beats BYU, they're going to fall like a rock. And we know nobody looks at that and says, well, they were 14 when Cincinnati beat them because they're going to say we had questions about BYU at 14 we had questions about their schedule and the validity of how good BYU was. That's why they were at 14 and a loss to Cincinnati validates that opinion. Does it not? Yes. It says we were right about BYU. And I, I don't think beating them at 14. I don't think the committee goes back and says, well, that's what we needed to see to put Cincinnati ahead of Texas A&M. I, I don't, I don't, unless, look, you come out and you beat BYU 40, 48 uh, to, to 17, maybe, maybe that is I enough. Think, I, I just think that doesn't that then say, man, we were really, we were even more right about BYU than we thought. Probably. Yeah. But I think it also would, there would be a sense of, man, we were really right about Cincinnati at that point. Wasn't there? Yeah, like we we again, we put again, them in a position. Said, how much movement forward are they really going to get? Right, I I don't know that it, that would. Like I said, if it was Cincinnati seven and BYU ten or, or nine, then yeah, because if you beat BYU and they were nine, they probably fall to fourteen. If they're starting at fourteen, we've look we've seen a lot of. AAC level teams get up into that that 13 four. Look at what you see what happened to UCF when they lost. Right. They were 12. I think they fell out or they they fell back into the 20s when they lost. Yeah. To a team that's now in the top 25 um in Tulsa. So and, and that was a Tulsa team that had, had almost just knocked off Oklahoma State at that point in time. So Tulsa was legitimate. It wasn't like Tulsa didn't have something on their resume to say, look, we're pretty good. Um, I just, 
I don't know. I, I, I just don't see it with BYU at 14. I, I, and I was, I was firmly in the camp of this isn't about BYU. It is about Texas A&M. Right. And giving yourself something on the resume that makes you look like the prettier girl at the, the, the dance than Texas A&M. I, I don't know that beating BYU now and watching BYU fall into the 20s does that. Like, do you think if UC beats BYU, BYU stays in the in the teens? No. Right. No, they're waiting for them to be exposed. Exactly. Exactly. So, I, I mean, I get it. I get where the, the thought process comes from because it's, it's a thought process that that I held, but I also said, let's wait and see what happens today before we, we jump into anything. And I would also say, do you know why there hasn't been a BYU game scheduled yet? Cause they were waiting to see what happened today. Right. And now BYU has way more to gain from this than Cincinnati does. And I don't like being in those situations, right? Right. You're bringing them in here. You're telling them that they've been completely disrespected. They do have an explosive offense. They have a quarterback that can really throw the football. Oh. I mean, he has dropped some some balls in a bucket this year that it didn't matter how good the coverage was they were going to be, you know, completed passes. Right. So that part concerns me. It's not that I, you know, I, I just, I don't see where the benefit of that is now. And, and I was all for it six hours ago because I thought they were, I thought they were going to be in a better position. I just, right. I mean, you know what you're behind Georgia, Miami, Oklahoma, Indiana, Iowa State. That's what they think of you. Right. I, I just don't know. I don't know what it helps. I, I don't. I really don't. So, yeah. Um, college basketball starts tomorrow. Oh, it does? Yeah. Where? Mohegan Sun apparently for whatever teams made it to Mohegan Sun Uh, I guess the biggest thing to take away from from John Brandon's Zoom today was uh, that he said he had three teams call him today and ask ask the Bearcats to come to their MTE (laughs) (laughs) that's how much of a cluster college basketball is right now the season starts tomorrow he has had schools asking him if he can throw his team on a bus Drive somewhere tonight and play their opening game of the season tomorrow. That's how much everybody is scrambling. That's insane. And what did we say how many months ago? Like, you guys might want to learn from football? Didn't learn a thing. I mean, Didn't... like, is is Patino's idea that No, bad? It's, it's actually pretty good. Because I think it's good. It's pretty good. You push it back. You spread it out. You play you 20, start in March, conference you games. You theoretically could have a you know, I don't think you have to start in March. I think you could start in January or February still. To have May Madness? 
No, I think it would probably be April Madness. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't rhyme or that doesn't go together. April Anarchy. <laughs> I'm just saying his idea is to push it back. Yeah, because I know. you can then test better. You can maybe have a vaccine for for players. You can, I mean, because I mean, today you know there's expecting a vaccine in Ohio in the middle of December. Right. Now that wouldn't go to me or you know just a, your rent your general Joe or whatever. I mean, there's obviously a pecking order, but like, is there is, I mean, what's God forbid any of these college programs or institutions try to do something outside the ordinary, like the big, you know, the, we can't expand the playoff. We can't move dates. Apparently we can't move college basketball. We have to play non-conference games that really don't matter. Did you see the Xavier news? I did not. Three Xavier men's basketball players have been placed in quarantine. Xavier following CDC guidelines, which means 14 days. Let's do the math. Six, six. We are 12 days from the Crosstown shootout. <laughs> and I guess the it's just quarantine because if it was... Uh, a positive test then the the whole thing would be shut down for two weeks yeah so if it's quarantine um then that would not be a positive test but i mean that's this stuff is gonna keep happening xavier plays at noon xavier plays at noon tomorrow they just put three players into quarantine. How many people are, and this is where, this is where it gets interesting because now if you're the other coach of the other team, are you taking the floor against Xavier tomorrow? <laughs> I'm dead serious because it's the virus has a dormant stage where there could right. be guys on their team that are positive that don't know it yet. And I mean, we saw it with Scott Drew, Scott Drew, Baylor, the Baylor situation. If you didn't, if you're not following it, the only person at Baylor that tested positive for COVID was Scott Drew. Right. So the entire team was still going to go and play in their MTE. But the other teams in the MTE were like, nah, man, you ain't coming here. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> you ain't got to go home, but you got to get the out of here. There was a team at the Mohegan Sun that had someone in their travel party test positive. Not a player, not a coach, not a trainer. Someone in the travel party. They turned their ass around and sent them home. I mean, people are like, there's a lot of talk on the board of like, why is this so different than football? It's like, if you can't see it, I can't help you. Because there's a hundred and something football players. Yeah, there's a hundred and five <laughs> guys. Think about that difference. There's 85 scholarship players on a football team. And some of that, yes, some of that is developmental. There are, you know, <clears throat> probably <clears throat> 15, 20 guys on a roster 
that that at that given time in that year are not really ready to play college football physically. There's 40, what, 40, 48 guys on an NFL active game day roster. That's what the NFL plays with, 48 guys. Now you have a an active roster of 56, but then eight of those guys are out on game day. They're not active. Right. You can play with 45, 46, 50 guys. Basketball, it's a completely different story, and it's an indoor sport, which the science changes inside. Like it or not, what I don't care what, what your stance on the virus is. The science changes inside, which means the doctors that are making the decisions are going to treat things differently when you're inside. So that means if one person on the team tests test positive because they are in a gym every day, breathing the same air as their teammates, the whole team is shut down for two weeks. Them's the rules. That's why we joked a month ago, just infect your whole damn team. Yeah. And get it over with. So that way you've got three months to get a season in. Like that, it was a joke and probably a bad joke that offended some people. But this is why I was making that joke is this thing's going to be really tough to get off the ground with any consistency. They're going to do it. Um, but I, at least until January 1, I think this thing's going to be upside down. It's probably not going to be a complete disaster. There's still going to be a lot of games played. Um, Tennessee, their new their their season opener is December 12th against the Cincinnati Bearcats. Yeah, it worked out good for us. Yeah, they're not even going to get to practice until what the seventh. Well, they were supposed to play Gonzaga and Notre Dame before they yeah. played us. So they're done. Like that's the other thing we. You, when you when this happens, you can't practice for two weeks, which I think is kind of silly because if you're all quarantined and you're all testing, why should you still not be able to practice amongst yourselves? Right. Um, I mean, it's spread, obviously, but you take well, if anybody's like positive, they, they you take them out. And... Like when UC had to cancel the Tulsi and they didn't just not practice. Yeah, they practice Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that weekend. But it's just a different deal for basketball. I also had the argument today about um, how do I know that the players aren't around a lot of other people or aren't hanging out with each other uh, randomly? The answer is twofold. It, there's, there's, it's an A or a B. A, you think UC is lying about contact tracing or B you look at the contact tracing and realize when they've had positive tests, they haven't had a whole bunch of people going to contact tracing, which tells you guys aren't around each other inside. At least the contact tracing has generally been weightlifting groups, which are very small, three, right. four guys right now. That's been the contact, the extent of contact tracing. Because these guys are doing what they're asked to do. Now, is that the case everywhere? No. Um, but I can only speak on what I'm dealing with. I, I can't speak on what's happening elsewhere because I'm not part of what's happening elsewhere. I don't know. Uh, that part is just like, 
the numbers are pretty clear when UC has had an issue pop up here and there. And we've not seen like other teams have had where all of a sudden one guy tests positive and eight, 10, 12. I mean, Louisville will be a perfect example of that, right? It feels like every week Louisville's missing like 14 guys from contact tracing. Yeah. Which would tell you that their guys are all around each other inside all the time. Maybe UC is just smarter about it than everybody else. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> from what we've seen, right? We, we haven't seen it be a major issue, but then right. again, good chance it's also not a major issue because they're number seven in the country and uh, they're taking it very seriously because they want to play. And they had a game canceled and they didn't like that. There's a whole lot of guys that were real pissed off. That Thursday, when they're Wednesday, when the game got canceled, there's a lot of dudes that weren't happy with uh, the people that didn't do what they were all supposed to do over the bye week. Right. There were a lot of very difficult conversations that were had around the lender center and in the, uh, the housing facility that evening. Let's just <laughs> leave it at that. So we'll see on basketball uh, next week. We'll probably <clears throat> with the season opening or set to open Wednesday, we'll probably do either a Monday or Tuesday night show next week and do a round table for basketball season. Yeah. Probably Wednesday or Tuesday and give you a good, uh, a good listen on Wednesday while you're at work to get ready for the kickoff of the basketball season. I think my idea might work, Dave. What's your idea? I think they might give me a suite if I go to basketball games. <laughs> Remember me joking about that? Was can that I here go, or was that on the Can BDP? I go too? No, that's the thing. That's how they're going to social distance us. Maybe. Maybe. They're trying some things out at the women's game tonight. <laughs> but my idea is social distance us by putting us each in one of the suites. Each media member gets their own suite. Yeah. Yeah. Can't get no. I mean, you know how big those are. If you've yeah. got one to yourself, you're not anywhere close to anybody else. And you're up way away from the action. Yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. My, my, my first idea was those little box, like club boxes, right? Right below the founders club. But I guess somehow that's being used for TV. Uh, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't be allowed over there. I was like, well, just give us a suite. <laughs> yeah. Your own bathroom. Like, can I, can I, can I bring some stuff in my backpack to stock the fridge? <laughs> It's yeah, probably not going to happen. You're the only, if you're the only one there, you could just leave it there and come get yeah. your own drinks and snacks every game. They don't, <laughs> have, they don't have to worry about feeding you guys. And I'll pay for my own drinks and snacks. I'll bring them in my backpack. You guys can search it to make sure there's nothing crazy in there. And uh, that'll be that'll be the Chad Brendel suite for the foreseeable future. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But it didn't. It didn't totally get shot down. It was actually like, it's not a bad idea. Which, you know, considering what they usually say to my ideas, that's progress. They told right. me it wasn't, a, it wasn't a bad idea. It might not be a good idea. <laughs> uh, should, I, should I watch games, like, from the couch, in the suite, on the TV? No. No? Okay. No. Oh, well. Why would you do that? Because I can. <laughs> Yeah, but you're like that's at what, the game. That's what the other people in the suites do normally. They watch from the suite on the TV. 
<laughs> just trying to be like the you know the the highfalutin yeah the the, the hoity-toity folks just, you know i just want to i just want to blend in do do the sweets justice <laughs> oh all right i didn't know how we were going to get to an hour and we're a little bit over so pardon us if there was a few times in the middle of that podcast where we both were looking at each other going oh, what, are we, what the hell are we talking about now <laughs> well it's it's hard to like we're trying to react to things live and yeah like if something pops up that you know is a salient point and we want to talk about that then we kind of have to stop what we're doing and read the article and yeah but we made it but if you, if you were looking for in-depth temple breakdown i'm sorry i didn't i didn't you know didn't come through with s and p sp plus numbers for them and and the the areas where uc might have an advantage it's the whole damn game all the positions uc has an advantage correct all right that wraps it up he's dave simone i'm chad brendel we'll see you next time it's the holy grail bcj podcast right here on bearcatjournal.com <laughs>